This single is special because it's from my friends Megan Powell de Twart and Michael Jensen, who are the hosts of the popular podcast With All Due Respect. And I'm excited to tell you that With All Due Respect is joining the Undeceptions Network in 2022. And to give you a taste, they've got a single for us about the power of story. I'm Megan Powell-Dutois and he's... Michael Jensen. And we want to talk to you about stories. As Anafisi, the writer of the memoir Reading Lolita in Tehran, a book about the subversive and revolutionary power of literature, had this to say about stories. Stories are not mere flights of fantasy or instruments of political power and control. They link us to our past, provide us with critical insight into the present and enable us to envision our lives not just as they are, but as they should be or might become. Imaginative knowledge is not something you have today and discard tomorrow. It is a way of perceiving the world and relating to it. So stories do more than entertain us. On our podcast, with all due respect, we have a regular review segment called Marg and Dave with the tagline, two people obsessed by stories, but not always the same one. Now, it isn't just the light-hearted relief after the proper debate. Rather, it provides a way to talk through the nuances, richness and life-forming aspects of any debate. Stories shape us, the stories we listen to. And the stories we tell. So we're going to start by sharing two stories that have shaped us. Now, what's yours, Megan? Well, mine is my favourite picture book, um, which wasn't The Very Hungry Caterpillar, like most people. It was one by an American writer, an award-winning American writer called Tommy D. Paola. And it was called The Clown of God, based on an old French legend. It's about a, a beggar child who discovers that he's got amazing juggling skills, becomes a celebrated performer, uh, then starts to lose uh, his ability to perform and becomes old hat, ends up a beggar again. So it's not a rags to it's sort of rags to riches to rags. But then right at the end, when he's still he's begging, he ends up trying to get sanctuary in a church. And um, he comes in front of a statue of um, Mary and Jesus as a baby and decides to juggle one more time. Um, and as he juggles, he juggles the best he's ever done in his whole career. Uh, and then uh, I just want to give you a little clip of what happens because there's actually a little video of this. And now, first the red ball, then the orange, next the yellow, and the green, blue, and violet. And around and up they went until they looked like a rainbow. And finally, the sun in the heavens. The gold ball flew up and around and around, higher and higher. Giovanni had never juggled so well in all his life. Higher and higher, faster and faster, a blaze of color filled the air. It was magnificent. Giovanni's heart was pounding. For you, sweet child, for you. 
the monks find him, he's died as he's juggled his last, most beautiful. And um, Jesus is holding the ball and he's finally smiling because it was very solemn baby Jesus, apparently. So what, what grabbed you about this? <laughs> well, it's a really intriguing one to grab a child, isn't it? And, um, and actually there's some Franciscan monks in the middle who talk about um, bringing joy to others as being giving glory to God. So it's quite theologically rich. But I think I was really grabbed as a child by stories of vocation, actually. Um, so, you know, any of those missionary kind of autobiographies that you had given to you as someone in evangelicalism, I loved those. Um, I really liked the little drummer boy Christmas cartoon where, you know, the only thing he has to bring is his, his little drumming. And I was like, I'm going to bring Jesus my drumming. Oh, <laughs> gee, I can't stand that song. <laughs> so, so it really, it was a really shaping story for me of of your life being one where the greatest joy is is worship um, and that is more important than other things that you could do with your life. So, I mean, I didn't really think about all this when I went into ministry, but um, it really does show some of that background <laughs> to me going into ministry, I suppose. So, calling and vocation, it's really interesting because, mm. I mean, in some ways all stories have a, a call to adventure mm. in them or a lot of lot of good stories do. Um, and that's true of the story uh, that, that's my favourite story mm-hmm. as well. So, what's your story? Well, it's uh, The Wind and the Willows. It's a famous children's story written in Oxford at the beginning of the 20th century by Kenneth Graham. And uh, it's a story of uh, Mole and Ratty, the water rat, who are, it's a sort of buddy story, essentially. Yeah, yeah, I read it as a but it didn't grab me. Well, it grabbed me. Well, my father read it to me when I was mm-hmm. in the bath. I mean, when I at bath time, uh, when I was <laughs> far too appropriate, far, far too. Well, it's a lot about water messing yes. around in bath, but in boats, <laughs> yes. and it's a lot about. Um, it's a it's it's this friendship, uh, deep friendship, and then also uh, their their care for Toad, who is this sort of irascible figure, a problematic. You kind of don't like Toad, yeah, Toad no, Hall, but they look after Toad mm. and help him through his uh, his obsession and addictions. He's got an addictive personality. It's kind of very realistic. And then, of course, there's the, the paternal badger who looks after mm. them when they're, they're scared in the wild wood. And I think uh, I wanted to read you one of the scenes because one of the great things about this is the language. Just as just as um, pictures may grab you, uh, particular words may grab oh, you. It's, it, yes, go so on. this is this is it. This is the uh, this is the mole. This has been a wonderful day, said he, as the rat shoved off and took to the skulls again. Do you know, I've never been in a boat before in all my life. What? cried the rat, open-mouthed. Never been in a... You never... Well, I... What have you been doing then? Is it so nice as all that? asked the mole shyly, though he was quite prepared to believe it, as he leant back in his seat and surveyed the cushions, the oars, the rowlocks, and all the fascinating things, and felt the boat sway slightly under him. Nice? It's the only thing, said the water rat solemnly, as he leant forward for his stroke. Believe me, my young friend, there is nothing, absolutely nothing, half so much worth doing as simply messing about in boats. Simply messing, he went on dreamily, messing about in boats. Look ahead, rat. And of course, they then have a crash because rat is so enraptured by his <laughs> by his messing about in boats. Rat's this- always enraptured. So how did it form you? Well, I... I, I don't know if it's as specific as your as mm. your uh, calling idea, but there's a sense of home and a mm-hmm. sense of friendship, which I really uh, are really important to me in both of these mm-hmm. things. There's a sense of the comfort and coziness of home, and also the paradox of the 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 joy and delight of nature, but also it's it, there's something fearsome about it too. And home and the adventure, because you get that as well in Tolkien, don't you? The hobbits sort of symbolise home, and yet there's that call to do epic things out in the world. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, as we've told our stories, I've been thinking about how you can hear the question of whether they've shaped us for good or for ill. In my case, did I want to sacrifice myself too much? <laughs> Does yes, Michael Michael just get enraptured by things too quickly? <laughs> I'm too addicted to home. Mm. Oh, too addicted to home. Sandwiches well, and toast. Michael, yes. what do you think? Do stories save us or should we treat them with a bit of suspicion? How, do you, how does this work out, do you think? Well, I think we should be suspicious of our tendency sometimes to tell stories because just as uh, it, it, the stories we tell can be too totalizing or too complete, stories have a finish and reality doesn't finish except under God's sovereignty. And so uh, we tend to close the sto- the, uh, our stories, mm. um, particularly the stories we tell of real life and be selective about them. And they're useful, but we need to realize how selective they are. Remember remember our limited point of view that we're not omniscient narrators when we tell when we tell stories. So there's a danger in their completeness and tightness and Yes, and it's neatness. sort of the beauty and the fall, isn't it? I mean, you've seen that with the pandemic, that someone will come back to you and say, but I know someone who had a bad reaction to a vaccine, and you're going, well, that's one person. <laughs> we yeah. need to look at, 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 at reams of data, um, but the, the story itself is more powerful. Yeah, we tend to hear a story and ignore a statistic, which may be telling us more, it might have more story behind it. You know, to hear that one person had a vaccine injury when actually Thousands of people have been affected by COVID. Well, there's thousands mm. of stories that we need to hear there, but it's too it's much easier to hear one story. And yet stories move I mean, stories move us to change, don't they? I mean, obviously there's the gospel, but I think of my own background and even things like um I really connected with the story of Moses <laughs> when I was coming into my vocation of of, you know, I don't feel up to this, but yet that can be overcome. Or Frodo, you know, even the smallest. Which, if anyone knows me, I'm five foot. So <laughs> that was an important part of that story to sort of show me that there's a bigger life to be had. Yeah, and I think also, yeah, for me, the richness of the richness of, of friendship and the support mm. of friendship has been incredibly important for me, for me in life. Uh, and, and I think that's so that the kind of perpetual gives you a vision, doesn't it? A story, a good story, gives you a gives you a. a, a, a a depiction of reality to which you might, into which you might live, into which you might grow. I think that's that's true about the power of stories, but mm. we should perhaps beware them because we're so intoxicated by them. We have oh, sort of endless storytelling. That's right, and we talk about narrative sometimes in that way. Where we say, "Well, that was the patriarchal narrative," or you know, stories tell our culture for good and ill. Yes, I think the trouble is replacing one story with another uh, when actually you need to tell multiple, human beings need to tell multiple stories from multiple points of view rather than just privilege one over the other or displace one with another. When you're talking about humans, I think perhaps the question to land this on, Michael, is are stories human or are they? do they point to the divine? Well, I think there's an incarnational answer, if you like. There's a sort of both God and mm-hmm. human answer here, and that is that God is a storytelling God. I mean, that's why the Bible is as it is. And stories are one of the ways in which he uh comes to us, communicates himself to us, because uh, we, his creatures, live in a story, a world which he's created to be storied, in which stories make sense. Mm-hmm. The reason stories are like they are is because the world is a storied place and because our God is a storied God. Yeah, I mean, God makes history uh, a complete narrative to the Christian. <laughs> 
Yes, although we don't have the end yet. We don't, <laughs> we don't have the so, end so yet. So this is important. I think it's not our end to end. It's his, it's his ending. Um, because it's when we impose our endings that they, that's an alternative to God's ending. But, but God gets to end it. And yet to those, because you sometimes get some Christians who are a little bit suspicious of um, fiction and the untidiness of it. And yet I always feel like um, every story that we tell is kind of like fan fiction. Fan, fan fiction. That's <laughs> so, a good way of putting yeah, it. Yeah, so, so, so God is the original storyteller, but his world is so interesting and he's created a world that we want to tell more stories about. Yes. Like, like yeah. the, the author that, you know, like Harry Potter fan fiction is so vast because it's such an interesting world that she creates. But God has done more than that, created a world in which we just are continually telling stories to each other. Because of the kind of world it is, yes, and because, yeah. like God, we 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 create and we tell truth mm. in our creation and our telling of stories. I think that's absolutely right. I think uh, we should we should tell stories. We should be aware of them, but we should also remember um, that our God is a storytelling God. Of course, at the centre of that that huge narrative that we have in history, there is the core of the gospel story, which is precisely a story, and it has a character. So, as much as we might say, "Oh, stories bring you down to the personal individual," and that could be a problem. Of course, the greatest story, as everyone calls it, yeah. is 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 a one individual who changed everything. Yes, interestingly, we get four gospels, so yeah. we do get a kind of multi perspective yeah, on it, yeah. right? Which is interesting, but also, it's uh, it, it's not a mistake that God enters in, in our world not as a philosophical theorem, mm. but as a but as a story, as a as the story of a human being. And I think uh, it might be a great place for us to finish mm. uh, by by picking up what C.S. Lewis says at the end of uh, his, You have uh, to mention C.S. Lewis when you're talking <laughs> about God and story. Of, of course, yeah. at the end of the, the last battle, the end of the Narnia series, and he says, uh, he, says, he says this, All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title mm. page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever in which every chapter is better than the one before. That's so interesting eschatologically, isn't it? Because it kind of says it's not the end when we finally get to the end, as we call it, but rather it's the start of multiple stories that go on and on in beauty. Yes. Yeah, that's right. That's the beginning of uh, a, a further storied existence. <laughs> More adventure, a call to a deeper and greater It's a long-form story a that long we're form, signing up for. The endless Netflix uh, <laughs> special. Oh, I've loved talking about this with you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. I love the way these guys think. Always a little out of the box, but they keep pushing you back to the really important things about the Christian faith. You can hear more of With All Due Respect when their season begins in March as part of the Underceptions Network. Woohoo! Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. See ya.
Deceptions podcast.